Excuse me. Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of Our Leaders. Tuesday mornings, live at 11.30 with First Seder Bes Medrash. Wonderful learning program. Interactive through video conferencing and live in the uh, Bes Medrash as well. Contact Rabbi Greenspan at First Seder, Rabbi Greenspan at First Seder, Org, or check out their website for their schedule of Shiurim. Wonderful, wonderful program to be a part of. Special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners. Will Bez Hashem be joining today's Shir? Today we are going to continue from last week. Last week we talked about the Nitziv, and today we are going to talk about his son, Rab Chaim Berlin, the son of the Nitziv, whose 110th yard site will be Yud Gimel Tishrei. Habaleinu Lataiva, he was Nifter in Tough Reish Ayin Gimel, 1912. 110th yard site will be on Yud Gimel Tishrei. Now I have to make a little bit of a correction from last week. Last week, when I talked about the Nitziv's father, Rabbi Yaakov Berlin, and how I found his kever on Harazesim, I was told it was in the proximity of Rabbi Chaim Berlin, this Rabbi Chaim Berlin that we're talking about, the son of the Nitziv, whose kever I knew where it was. And that was the whole story from last week. And my conclusion at the end was that Mount Olives on their website had the incorrect location for Rabbi Yaakov Berlin. But in my research this week, I stand corrected. Because to my chagrin, I found out, they almost fell off my chair on Sunday, when I realized there are two Reb Chaim Berlins who are buried on Harazesim. There is Reb Chaim Berlin, the son of the Nitziv, the grandson of Rabbi Yaakov Berlin, who are we are going to talk about today, which I said is much higher up by the Maral Diskin, right next to the Aderes, as we'll see in the Shir. And that is not in the same row as his grandfather, Rabbi Yaakov Berlin. However, Rabbi Yaakov Berlin had a son named Rabbi Chaim Berlin as well, a brother of the Nitziv, who was from the Gedoyle Vilna, who, I guess, uh, seems, made his way to Yerushalayim as well. And he is buried, according to the um, Mount Olives, four graves away from his, his father, Rabbi Yaakov Berlin, in the same row. Kever 27, Kever 31. So Bez Hashem, if Mashiach doesn't come and I end up back in Eretz Yisrael at Harazesim as still a Beis HaKvaris, I hope to check out to see the son of Rabbi Yaakov Berlin, that Reb Chaim Berlin, from the Gedoyle Vilna, who's buried in the same row as him. Mashenkein, Reb Chaim Berlin, his grandson, the Nitziv's son, like I said, is in a different, about 10-15 rows, higher on Harazesim. Because of that mistake, I probably never would have looked for Reb Yaakov Berlin, because it's impossible to know rows and chalkas there, only because I thought it was referring to this Reb Chaim Berlin, did I um, end up looking and finding Reb Berlin. So that is a correction I want to make, that there were two entries for Reb Chaim Berlin on Mount Olive's uh, website, and I was looking at the incorrect entry, um, not dreaming that there were two Reb Chaim Berlins in such close proximity to each other, an uncle and a nephew. Okay, so that was the correction from last week. So let us talk about Reb Chaim Berlin, the son of the Nitziv. In, a, in, in the Sefer Deres Achroinim too. Uh, Rav Eisenstadt, the Reb Chaim Berlin wrote in very uh, uh, quickly, uh, short, uh, Bekitzer, he wrote the, his own biography, so to speak, or what happened during his life, so we are going to refer to that throughout this year. He starts off, he said, I was born on Shabbos, the 5th of Shvat, in the year 
in its Rosh Tevas, Ayin Chaf, which adds up to Tav Kuv Tzadi Beis, the year 1832, and I was raised and I received my education in the Yeshiva, Albirke Zikni, on the knees of my grandfather, Hagoyin Rebitzok Zetzal, Rebitzel of Elazhener, and Albirke Mar Abba, Hagoyin on Nitziv Zetzal, and on the knees of my father, the Nitziv, Adoyisi Ben Tesvav, till I was 15. The Zikni Ador would say that the his appearance was the appearance of Reb Chaim Velazhener, his great-grandfather. He looked like Reb Chaim Velazhener, that's what they used to say. Till the age of nine, he learned with his father, and at that time he was a Bucky in Moyed Noshim and Ezekin, and he knew Tanakh perfectly. In the Berlin Mishbacha, this already goes back to the grandfather, Reb Yaakov Berlin, there is a Messiah Alpi the Gra to teach their children Diktuk and Loshan HaKadosh in Tanakh, even before they went to learn Gemara. And Rabbi Yaakov Berlin in Yerushalayim was considered Aviyam Shalamedaktikim, the father of the Medaktikim Balei Kriya, the expert Balei Kriya in Yerushalayim. He taught many Balei Kriya in Yerushalayim. And Rabbi Chaim Berlin also seemed to have followed this Mahalech. He was also an unbelievable Balkaire in Diktuk, in the Trup, and also in an unbelievable emotion. Um, Rabbi Yaakov Gedalia Waldenberg, who I think is the father of the Tzitz Eliezer, learned Kriyas HaToyer, or Hadalein, from Rabbi Chaim Berlin. And he himself, when he, when he reached the Pasuk on Rosh Hashanah, I'm going to make him into a nation. Rabbi Yaakov Gedalia would cry, he would cry. And he said he learned this from Reb Chaim Berlin, who would cry with unbelievable emotion that Hashem promised Avraham Avinu that Yishmal is going to be this great nation. He used to cry bitter tears over it when he would um, when he would lay that. And this uh, Reb Yaakov Gedalia learned that from Reb Chaim Berlin. From the age of nine, he entered the yeshiva of Elazhen, although he was a youngster, but they quickly realized that he was able to keep up in the shiurim of his grandfather, Ravitzala, and he learned there, like we said, for six years, till the age of 15, and he finished Shas while he, at that age. He continues, and he writes, Venasasi, at the age of 15, I got married, Ishti Rishayna, my first wife, Rivka Bas Hagvir Hatzadik Remoisha Taitlin Mishiklov. Shiklov is a city in um, about 280 kilometers east of Velazhin, and so he married the daughter of this rich person, Ramosha, and Vyatsasi Lishiklov, I went to live in that city. And for eight years he was supported by his father-in-law, since he was from, uh, his father-in-law's family was a very wealthy family, he um, amassed a quite a large library of Svarim. At that time he had 10,000 volumes of Svarim in his library. While he was there, all he did was sit and learn, and he was in constant contact with his father. He helped his, he helped his father with the Sefer Hamak Shela, the printing of Hamak Shela. He also added his own Ha'aris into the Hamak Shela. We spoke about the Hamak Shela last week. And then Sivan Nakdama to Hamak Shela, he writes, Benir Avchayim, Lokach, Kuntrasim, Elov. He took the, uh, the, um, the uh, pamphlets with him, meaning the. Uh, the Ksavim of the Hamak Shela, Gamhu Chacham Vaisiv Lekach Mishalai, and he is a Chacham, he also added in his own things. 
The Yoyser Mimash Nitzvah Bishvoi. There's really much more in throughout Hamik Sheila. He quotes his son Rav Chaim. He says the Nitziv says there's more really more than was printed. Harbi Nevdu Boyvolas Haderek Bechazara. It seems when he sent back the Ksavim, some got lost. Rak Maata Shenimsi Madei Ne Mikhtavim. Only a few, little bit which I had with me through letters that I printed. He also says there are Fukavalo Shem Hamak Shayla that Rabchaim Berlin is the one who gave it the name um Hamak Shayla. Now <clears throat> it seems that in Shiklov he also taught Talmidim because in his Chuvas Nishmas Chaim Arachaim Kufyud Ches, and this is from the year Tough Raish uh Nunbez. So Tough Raish Nunbez eighteen ninety-two, he writes, Yan ki Tesili is talking about a Apshat in a Taisvis, he says, He's writing to someone and says, I also gave the same answer for Taisvis, Azu, Shana, almost 30 years ago, when I would say Yashir, when I would say Yashir in front of Bachurim in Shiklov. So either he had a Yeshiva or he said a Shir there. You see from that Shuva that, uh, that he said Shiurim in Shiklov. He continues in his uh, bi- autobiography and he writes to Yemer Shabbos Kaidish Khafa Vadar Tafresh Khafei is Kabalti Lirav Avezdin be Moscow. He says on Arab Shabbos Khafa Vadar in Tafresh Khafei so that is in 1865 I became the Rav of Moscow. Now this was a new kehila in Moscow. Moscow um for a long time Jews weren't allowed to live there and um this was the um, some of the soldiers, Cantonist children from Nic- the first Nikolai, um, they were finally let uh, let go from the army, and because they were um, because they were in the army, they had a special schus. They were veterans. They had a special schus to live in the capital city of Moscow, and they made this kehila, and he became the first rav of Moscow. While he was there, he fought against. Um, those who wanted to change Messiah, they wanted to build a show with a smaller mechitza and all different types of changes. Um, he made a Talmud Taira there, different gemachs, different public moistais. He was an unbelievable darshan in order. And uh, because he was in the capital city, he was very involved in the government and helping out the Russian Jews throughout the country in the, uh, the chambers of the government. He was in constant contact with his father. There are many tshuvas in Meshiv Dover and the Nativ tshuvas where he writes to my son, Rav Chaim, the Rav of um, Moscow. He also helped out a lot with the Velazhin Yeshiva at the time. He collected 25,000 ruble to rebuild the building from a wooden building to a uh, building made out of bricks, much stronger. It was much bigger. And uh, he had a big chalek in um, the expansion, as we said last week about Velazhin Yeshiva in the days of the Nitziv. It's a great success, the golden years of Velazhin Yeshiva. He also had a strong kesher with Reb Yitzchok Blazer. Reb Yitzchok Blazer, we know him as Reb Itzel Petterberger. Reb Itzel Petterberger, because he was from the city of Petterburg, St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg was the other uh, large city. Um, it might even be, have, might have been bigger actually than Moscow. Um, but it was that was the other big city in in Russia. And they had, because they were both the Rabbonim of these big cities, they had a strong kasher. 
And uh, it's interesting, he himself writes, Reb Chaim Berlin, the Ashkacha brought about that he ended their lives. They both ended up in Yerushalayim and they would have a personal shaykhist there. They would visit each other. In a letter that he wrote to Rebitzel in Tafresh Chavzayin when he was the Rav of Moscow, he writes, He says, I, I really wonder. Whenever I ask how you, the one who's so precious to me, precious to me, my good friend, how you're doing, and from what I hear, everything's very calm, you're able to learn Taira. Halavai, I was able to. I am so busy, I can't learn properly. Um, whether it's Mili, Damasa, things that have to do with the city, Mili, Alma, or it's things that have to do with the greater Kla Yisrael, to answer all those who send me questions, Mikol Glilas Rusya, from all throughout the country of Russia, they don't have anyone to paskin for them. So they turn to me. So he says, I'm, I'm just so busy, I'm Pasha jealous of you, that you seem to be able to sit and learn peacefully Taira. And he signs the letter, if you remember how the Nitziv used to sign last week, as we said, he signs the letter, Amos HaTirdus Vatzlois. I'm busy with things that are, uh, keep me busy, Tirdus Vatzlois, and also calamities, Umitzapel Yeshua. Now, we're not 100% sure what all these Tzlois are, but we'll see in a moment. In Tafresh Lamed Beis, there's a letter that he wrote, uh, not to Rebitzel, but a letter that he wrote, and in it he says, from Rishchidosh Elu until Sukkis, Nesu Bonis Adinais, two of my um, daughters were Nifter. He lost two of his daughters there. So that's probably some of the Tzlois that he had. Now, his brother was actually his half-brother, his brother was Remeyer Berlin. Better known, he changed his name to, in when he narrates Israel, to Meir Bar-Ilan. Bar-Ilan is uh, the uh, Israeli version of Meir of Berlin. Now why was he his half-brother? Because you remember the Nitziv's uh, first wife was Nifter, and his um, Reb Chaim Berlin is from his first wife. And then he married his niece, the daughter of the Arach HaShulchan. Remeyer Berlin was their child, Meir Berlin, an anical of the Arach HaShulchan. So it was his half-brother. Rameir Berlin wrote a book called Mivelajan Ad Yerushalayim, which throughout last week um, some of the quotes were from there. And in it he writes that he remembers his older brother, he was like 50 years uh, younger than him, or Reb Chaim was 50 years older than him, Kamat. If you remember, the Archa Shulchan's uh, daughter was about 40 some years younger than um, the Nitziv when he uh, married her. So he writes about his older brothers to come to visit Velazhin. He says, in the way he appeared, in the way that he his 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 actions, Ali Chaysav, he looked he looked much uh, much uh, older than he actually was. Um, he says he had a big white beard. If you look for a picture of him, he had this big white beard, um, beautiful uh, white beard. He also wore very chashiva clothing, big diashirim, and this gave him uh, an appearance of being older than he actually was, as if he was seventy years old. Rameir Berlin writes, even though he was much much younger, he says. On top of that, he also had a lot of tsaris. She'ish lo yeda, lo yada, nobody knew. V'lo hirgish, and nobody was aware of. M'vada m'kuravim b'yoyser m'vnei ha'mishbacha. Except those who were very close to him, his close family members. So it seems he had a lot of tsaris, Rameir Berlin says, which would explain, I guess, the uh, almost 
So Bichlal, he had a very old, look, older look to him, a very um, prestigious look to him. In Tavresh Meim Beis, they, um, they decided to banish the Jews from Moscow. It took time, it was some expulsion of May or something, it was called. It took some time till it happened. At this time, Reb Chaim Berlin started thinking, what's good, where is he going to go after this? And he writes, So this is 1882, So his wife was Nifter in Moscow. And the next year, he says, I went to the city of Bial in Poland. So Bial is what's now today eastern Poland on the border of Belarus, just about 40 kilometers west of Brisk. Brisk is right over the border of Belarus. And um, and I got remarried there. The uh, rich woman, Tila, the daughter of the rich person, Rebitzchak, Shachar from Mir, and I was there in Biala till Tafresh Memtes. Now, Rabbi Yitzchak was actually Chasidish, he was a Kotzker Chasid. His son, Rabbi Noyak Shachar, was actually the father in law of the Imre Emes. So they were Ger Kotzker, they were that uh, Chasidus. Um, he lived in Biala, not as a Rav, he lives there as a private person. Again, his wife was rich, his father in law was rich, um, and he again, his library was enormous. All the Tamidi Chachamim would come and use it and talk to him and learning. And they still considered him, he was called the Rav of Moscow. And the uh, Pilisher Gedailim very much uh, were mocker him. Um, the Rabbi Shua Kutna, Rabbi Shia Kutna, from the Sefer Yeshua's Malkai, or Rechaim Simen Chafalif, and also in Ksavim in the back there, Yud Zayin Tachaf, he, he, he uh, gives him titles, Bekavit Gadol, which was not so characteristic of the Yeshua's Malkai. Davne Nezer has a Chuvatim also in Narachaim Shin Lamed Vav, and um, he's called uh, Reb Chaim, the Rav of Moscow. He continues and he writes, Yoymer of Shabbos Kedesh Chaf Nisan Tafresh Memtes. So a few years later, again, he got married in Tafresh Memdal in 1885, so it's 1889. Erev um, Shabbos Chaf Nisan Niftar Ishti Bibiala, his second wife was Niftar. He says, I left there and I went to Velazhin. Um, so I was accepted to be the Rav of Velazhin and the Rosh Hashiva of Velazhin to help out my father, Lazy Knusai, because he was already getting older. And I said, Shiurim in Velazhin, Yachar im Chasana Choisi, with my sister's son in law. Hagoyin Reb Chaim Halevi Salavechik. So his sister was married to Reb Rafal Shapiro, as we said last week, and his son-in-law was Reb Chaim Salavechik. She ka'etzav beds in Brisk. When he was writing this, Reb Chaim Berlin, Reb Chaim was already the Rav in Brisk. So we said Shurim um, together. In Velazhin, he married his third Rabbitzin, Maris Aiga, her name was. She was called Halmona Levin Epstein. She was Dalmona from the Levin Epstein family. Levin Epstein was a big printing uh, a press um, by the Levin Epstein family. It was one name, I think, Levin Epstein. And um, so she was known as the Almana from the Levin Epstein family. And he married her third in his third zivuk. A few months after they got married, she suddenly was nifter on Lel Shabbos. Reb Chaim was actually in Vilna at the time. Um, in, for the yeshiva, for whatever Yoni yeshiva had to take care of, and the entire city, there was a, a, a dark uh, avel 
mourning on Shabbos, but the Nitziv himself was, uh, you couldn't see any pain on him. Even when the family members uh, started to cry, he got very angry, said, Shabbos, there's no Avelis on Shabbos. But right after Havdalah, he went into a, a room and he started to cry, Bekorum, Mamish, an unbelievable sobbing. As Reb Meir Berlin says, you weren't able, to, were not able to calm him down. Now the Nitziv realized he was already getting older. He was only nifter a few years later, and um, he decided to give up his post as Rosh Hashiva Velazhin, and he put his son Reb Chaim Berlin, as we're saying, in as his Yerush. Now the Nitziv would say one shear a week, and Reb Chaim Berlin would say two shearim a week, and Reb Chaim Salavechik would say two shearim a week. Now, the Talmidim of Chaim Salavechik were not happy about this. If you remember from last week, at every stage in Velazhin, there were issues between the Nitziv and others and the different Rosh Hashivas. And they weren't happy that Chaim Berlin was never Rosh Hashiva. He was a Rav. So what's he becoming Rosh Hashiva here? And um, so they weren't happy also with Mahalach. He was more like his father than Nitziv. Bikiyas, as we know, Reb Chaim was a Lamdin. We said last week the story with Reb Shimon um, and the Nitziv, understanding that he was a Lamdin. Um, so, but you know, so they waged a war against him. That means they would go and find all kashas to hack in the middle of his shear. And it's very, uh, it's very interesting. Where they needed svarim to be able to look up different questions. Well, who had a large library of svarim? Reb Chaim Berlin had a large library. So those who were coming to to hack him up in the middle of shear would actually go to his library, and he would have to give rishus. And he would have to sign out, so to speak. He would give Rishus for them to take Svarim that he knew was going to be used against him in the Shir. That was, uh, that was Reb Chaim Berlin. But they did some other things also. They were Mitzarim. One time they put up like a, a, I don't know, it was a chalkboard, some type of board used to teach Aleph Bays, you know, behind him as, uh, as he said his Shir, he was going to say his Shir. Like this is like a, a Aleph Bay Shir. So they did these things, but um, so this was, uh, this was the Muhammad that they fought um, against him. Rabbi Levin, who was very close to the Chaim Berlin, as we'll see, beside Yom Shalayim, he once uh, found a Mr. Zalman learning the Urim Vitumim of the Rebbe of Yenis and Ibshitz. Now, if you learn Urim Vitumim, it's a very hard say for Chaim Mishpat. A lot of pilpul there with Chaim Mishpat. We talked about this in the Shia on the Rebbe Yenis and Ibshitz. And uh, he walked in and he saw Mr. Zalman learning it. And it was the from Rabbi Chaim Berlin's library, and he had the Ha'aris of Rabbi Chaim Berlin on the side of the, uh, on the margins of the Urim Vitumim. And Rabbi Zizaman told him that if in Velazhin, um, they would, um, they would know the godless of Rabbi Chaim Berlin that you could see in his Ha'aris on the Urim Vitumim, they wouldn't have been right of him, if they would have recognized what a going he was. Rabbi Zizaman said that Rabbi Chaim Berlin was the Tzaddik of Velazhin, you see how much he was soivel, and Rabbi Zalman says, Baruch Hashem, that I was not involved in anything against him. Hashem saved me from that. Now later on, Rabbi Zalman uh, found a letter in the library of Rabbi Chaim Berlin that one of the Talmidim from Velazhin wrote to him um, in Tafresh Samach Tes, that he had a lot of tsaris in his life and he thinks that perhaps it's because he was Mitzar Rabbi Chaim Berlin and he's asking him Mechila. Now in the letter he says he really didn't do anything lemaisa against him, but could be supported those who did. He didn't make a macha. And Reb Chaim told him, I was ready, Michael, you don't have to worry, and I'm not somebody who's worthy that Hashem would punish you because of my covet. It's not kedai for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to punish anyone because of me. I was Michael. 
He says, he continues, says, but I'm going to tell you there's two reasons why you're having Tsaris because of the Misa, what happened in Volashen. The first is the Chil Hashem, that it was Gairim, that people found out this, what was going on, this Machlaikas in Volashen. And the second reason is the Tsar of the Nitziv himself. My father, the Nitziv, he is someone worthy that Hashem would uh, pay back the covet that, uh, or be his covet, um, for things that were Mitzarim. And he says, My father had a lot of pain over what happened, and that I can't be Michael. And he told him that there's a Mahalach in Shulchan Aruch, if to go to a kever, go look up what the Mahalach is to ask Mechila from someone who is already Nifter, but I cannot be Michael, my father's covet. Now, <clears throat> Rabbi Levine, who learned with Reb Chaim Berlin, as we said before, he said that Reb Chaim told him that his Zayder, Bitzav Elozhner, told him that you should take one Midah in your life and work on it your entire life, and uh, that's the mahalach a person should, should have in life. Of course, you have to work on all the midas, but you should focus on one midah. And he told Reb Chaim, you should take the midah of sablonus, of patience. If you work on it hard, this is a midah that will stand for you until you're old. And um, Reb Chaim told him, I listened to my Zayda, and I'm still working on this midah. And Rabbi Levine says it was Taka, his Savlonis, his patience, was something lahafli, was something unbelievable, which then explains how he was able to be Saival, what was going on earlier in Velazhin. Now he writes, he continues in his, uh, in his uh, autobiography, Uvishnas, Tof Reish Nun Beis, Niskara Yeshiva, as we said last week, the Yeshiva was closed. He says, and I was accepted as the Rav of Kabrin, Kabrin until the year Tav Reish Nunvav. Now, actually what happened was, when the yeshiva closed down, um, as we said last week, he went with his father, and uh, they were trying to um, collect money for the Chayvais of Volazhin. And he actually traveled around a lot of places. He was in London, he was in Paris, he was in Berlin, he was in Frankfurt. In Nishmas Chaim, Chayish Mishvat Beis, or Kufayin Ches, there's different versions. It's the same tshuva, different, uh, different printings have different numbers. He writes, Ani merits Russia. I am the man from Russia. Mide Avri Derech Ir Paris. And here I was going through the city of Paris. So you see clearly, um, he was, that was another city that he was, uh, he was in in his travels. In Tavresh Nun Gimel, after the Nitziv was Nifter, is when he became the Rav in um, Kabrin. Kabrin is about 40 kilometers east of Brisk. Now, Chav Gimel, Ir, Tavresh Nun Hay, there was a, um, there was, um, <clears throat> there was a big fire in uh, Kabrin, a fire no one had ever, in those days, unfortunately, with wooden homes, there were lots of fires in cities, Brisk had a fire around the same time as well, and there was a big fire, about 300 houses, and all of the property um, was destroyed. And he worked very hard to collect money to rebuild it. And like he said, he was there till Tafresh and Vav, that he became the Rav in a city called Yaliz Batgrad. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Yaliz Batgrad. Um, you're in, uh, it's in the Ukraine somewhere, which is, it's about 920 kilometers southeast of Kabrin. Totally different neighborhood in the Ukraine. In, in Ukrainian, it's Y-E-L-Y-S-A-V-E-T-H-R-A-D, Yelis Vatra, named after Elizabeth uh, of Russia. Um, 
I, again, I'm not sure how to. If you look it up in Wikipedia, it's gone through numerous name changes. But that is uh, that is the name of it. For some reason, he went there. His family um, didn't really want him to go there. He was. He says, "V'yashavti sham kashershanim." I was there for ten years. Really, they they offered him the rabbanus of Panovich, and Panovich had offered him a big, beautiful home to live in, and um, another city, Shadlitz, also. Um, wanted him as the Rav. But some reason, it's in his family said, you're already older, you're going to go all the way a thousand kilometers to a Mamasha Midbar in the Ukraine. There was nothing there, as we'll see in a moment. But he said, I'm a Rav L'Shem Shamayim, and this is a place where I could, um, I could build Ruchnius, and I want to bring Taira to this place. And uh, so he left Kabrin, and he went there. On the way, he stopped in Brisk. There was a, in the house of Rav Chaim, there was a Tzaycham L'Sholem for him. So he was there for about 10 years, and in Tafresh Samachay in Russia, there started to be pogroms and attacks against Yidin, and he was afraid that it was going to end up in his city as well, so he decided that he's going to leave Russia. And Uvishnas Tafresh Samachvav, he writes, in the year 1906, Alisi Yerushalayma, I went up to Yerushalayim, the Nitziv himself, as we know, wanted to come to Yerushalayim. There's even one of the Chuvas. He writes, Reb Chaim Berlin, that I'm here with my father after the closing of Elazhin, and he's planning on going up to Yerushalayim after he figures out the Chayvas of, of Elazhin. But as we know from last week, it didn't happen. And he went to Yerushalayim, and here I am resting here. And he got married a fourth time. Drajvili, I'm not even sure how to pronounce that either, but um, he remarried um, the fourth time as Rebbes in Matzliya. Um, he was accepted Bekavid Gadol, they, they greeted him Bekavid Gadol Yushalayim, and they gave him Adira and Bate Broidi, and uh, Friday nights people would come to hear um, his shear on the Parsha, um, his shear on the Parsha, and he would ask his rebbitzin, bring me hachumish bring me the tatas chumish, meaning the hamak dover. And he would read it, and he would say over his father's pshatim. He would add in his own hisafas to it, and uh, that was his uh, that was his shear. Um, he was also involved at that point in printing his father's farim. He was helping out Reb Shmuel Salant. Reb Shmuel Salant was a zakin at the time. Um, and um, the Maril Diskin, who was at the same time as Rav Shmuel Salant, had been nifter in, I think, 1899. Then the Aderes was helping out the, the, um, the Rav Shmuel Salant, and uh, he was nifter in about 1906 or something, around, around those years, um, I think. And uh, I think right around the time that Rav Chaim Berlin came to Yerushalayim, or a little bit afterwards, um, he was helping out Rav Shmuel Salant as well. And... Um, then after that, there was Nifter, Chaim Berlin would help out with Shmuel Salant with the Rabbonus. And in 1909, in, with the Petira and Tafresh Samachtes, um, they, so to speak, Balkarchai, he, 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 he did not want to be Rav again. And in fact, he writes that I'm so happy being here, a private citizen. Shalei Asani Oved. You remember uh, Rabbi Yaakov Emden had a, had a uh, bracha, Shalei Asani Oved, Aleph Beis Dalit Av Bezdin, Shem didn't make me a Rav. So Rav Chaim Berlin says, I have the same bracha and tefillah, but against his and they crowned him, so to speak, as the Rav, the Rav of, um, of Yerushalayim. Um, the Rav of Yerushalayim. Now, he was also in the head of the Talmud Torah of Eitzchayim, the uh, Bikr Chaylam Hospital, and all of the maestas of the city that Rav Shmuel Salant had been in charge of, Rav Chaim now became charge of, 
he fought connected the 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 chadashas, all new things like the old yishuv of Yerushalayim, um, uh, the the chinuch and different things like that. He stood very strong against all these new innovations, and he was very careful not to change from his father's drachim. In the year Tafreshayin was a shemitah year. If you remember last week, the Nitziv had a shemitah year as well, and they came to him also all types of eitzes that they could sell the land. And he took out his father's sefer that we mentioned last week, and he says, "I cannot change from my father's words." Gedoyloi katana, nothing big and nothing small. And he told them exactly what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. He had a private minion in his house. But he only allowed 13 people to come. He says, I don't want it to turn into a shtibel. There are 13 kavuim at this minion, and uh, only they could come. One of the mispalim once saw that by mistake he left out on the table uh, uh, a notebook, and the title was Chidushe Teirish and Nitzchachuli Bechaloim. Chidushe Teirish that I was Mechadish in my uh, in dreams. He wanted, there was, he saw a certain type of Mohudr Diketzvillin from a Batin Macher, Reb Nisano Seifer, certain type of Batin. And he wanted a pair of them. And he went to him and he told him, but there's a line. So he says, how long is the line? He said, the line is about five years long. So Chaimelin said, who, who knows where I'm going to be in five years? Could you please give me the list of the line? And again, he was the Rav of Yerushalayim. But instead of calling everyone or sending a shliach, he went around with his list to every single person on the five-year list and asked Rishus if he could cut the line and go ahead to get this new pair of tefillin. Um, this person who described him from his minion, so he said, yeah, if you look at the pictures, he was, uh, he was, he had a big beard, as we said before. He was also a little bit of a heavyish, heavy set, um, uh, a person. But, uh, the Lush and the person says that even though he was a little bit heavy set, however, it was very hard to keep up with him. Everything he did with was his Rizus and Mihirus, Yipashat had to rush to keep up with him. That was his Mahalach in life, his, uh, his Rizus. Um... Now, like we said before, he was connected with Ritzel Petterberger, who now was in Yerushalayim, and Reb Chaim writes, we were very close. And in fact, Reb Ritzel used to come to his shirim, the shirim of Reb Chaim as well. And Reb Chaim writes in this letter, he says, I was also standing by Reb Ritzel, by his Yisiyas Neshama. I was there when he was Nifter. And Reb Ritzel said in his Savah that no one should give him Hespedim, no Hespedim at all. Now, Reb Chaim wanted to be Maspid anyways, like we know, the Noi de Behuda did not listen to the Tzavah, the Pnei Yeshua, and he says, the Galda Adar, you don't listen to them, and you're Maspid them. But Rib Shmuel Salant um, was Machmer and said, no, you, if Rib said you can't be Maspid him, you can't be Maspid him. But Rib Chaim says, but I made a compromise, and he learned in the Psukim by Avram, by Sarah, there's Bechi and there's Mispeid. Misbeid, Hespeidim are to say the Shvachim and the Milas, the praise and the Milas of the Nifter. That he didn't want me to say. But he didn't say, I can't cry. Crying is for the Aveda, what we lost. And that he was able. So that was his Pshara. Um, and he says, he writes in this letter that the Leil Shabbos after Rabitzel's Kvura, um, Rabitzel came to him in a dream and he told him, Yashakayach, that you didn't say any Shvachim on me like I asked you to. Now, Reb Shmuel Salant was Nifter. Um, Reb Chaim, I think Reb Shmuel Salant also did not want to spay him. And Reb Chaim wanted to be masped him. He couldn't do it at the Levi itself. It was uh, too crushing there. But he was masped him afterwards. Keneged Reb Shmuel's Tzava. And together, he actually put it together with a Hesped on the Ben Ishchai, who had been Nifter around that time. A uh, Hesped for um, both of them. Um, like we said... 
he um, he had a special uh, closeness with Rebari Levine. Rebari Levine Shver Rebbe Shapiro from uh, the Rav of Kavna from the Mishpacha of Rebbe Fol Shapiro. So there was a family shaykhis that they had with each other, and uh, in fact, Rebari Levine had many schoolas and kmeis that he received from Chaim Berlin, who Reb Chaim got them from the Nitziv, and he had given them over to Rebari Levine. A lot of Yeshuas came from some of those schoolas. Rebariah also had a shoifer that he got as a matana from Chaim Berlin. Rebariah would blow the shoifer on Fridays to get people to close their businesses, and he would also go around, as we know, he used to go to the hospitals, to the Chaylam and Rosh Hashanah, and blow shoifer. That was this special um, uh, shoifer that Reb Chaim got Biderach Neis. Once in Moscow, the shoifer had a crack in it, and they had no shoifer in Lel Rosh Hashanah. Reb Chaim learned Hilchus shoifer to be Mekayim. If you can't do the mitzvah, you learn the halachas. And in the morning, someone showed up with a shoifer and gave him a shoifer, and that was this shoifer um, that he gave to uh, to Rebarye, um to Rebariah Levine. Um, now, when he came to Eretz Yisrael, he brought with him, I guess, some of his library, because we said when he was very young, he already had 10,000 svarim. So I saw that his library in Shlaim had 4,000 svarim when he came. Um, I assume he didn't bring it all. And in Eretz Yisrael, he doubled its size to about 8,000 svarim. He would buy every new sefer. And he, 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 was, he gave over his library to the yeshiva of Eitz Chaim um, after his patira, and they uh, rented a dira, and there was a special room in there, um, that uh, that they set aside for the library of Reb Chaim Berlin. Um, eventually, Rabbi Sir Zalman, I think, um, when he became the Roshiva of Eitz Chaim, he lived in that dira. So, so to speak, his house was off the room of the library, which is why we said before, Rabbi Levine found him, you know, going through the Svarim, and uh, he went through a lot of those Svarim because Pashtun was like in his house. In the summer of Tafresh, um, in Tafresh Ayin Beis, um, in 1912, he got sick with a heart condition, and he got a little bit better. Yom Kippur of that year, he was seemed to be healthy. Um, his minig was he would stay a whole night up in Shul, and um, he did that as well. He was in Shul from Kal Nidre till after Mairev Matzei Matze Yom Kippur. Rabbi Levine says the evening before he was Nifter Yud Beis Tishrei, he learned with Rabbi Yeshua and when they finished, Reb Chaim said, let's go out and see how the sukkah looks. And he went out, and he looked, he said, oh, it's a kosher sukkah. Then he said, show me my esrog. And he looked at it and said, oh, it's an esrog mahodr. Show me my lulav. Oh, this is a, a whole lulav, it's shalim, it's not split at all. And then he gave Rabari Yisam, like we said before, the kmeas and the skulais that he got from his father. He also wrote over his sava. He had written a sava earlier, but it seems he wrote it again, or he gave it to him. And he also wrote about what we mentioned last week, about how his father told him about the closing of Elazhin and never to give in on that, and he was Meister Nefesh for the closing of Elazhin, that he gave over all to Rabari Levine on that evening. And that night, Yugim Tishrei, um, after Mairev, he sat down to go over the letters he had received that day, as he did every night, and about Chatzais Halayla, a little bit after Chatzais, he gave a scream, and, um, I'm sorry, he, he, uh, he didn't feel well, and he gave out a scream, Ana Hashem and he fell on his bed, and he was nifter. Um, in his Savah, he wrote, Baz hora chamura shalei lahas b'day seklal, 
Icy Cloud, do not be Masped B at all. So it's interesting how he himself figured out Eitzes to get around all of the Tzavahs of the other Gedailer, of Shmuel Salant and Rabbi Zopetterberger. Uh, but he himself, I guess he, so to speak, knew all the tricks. And he says, not to be Masped at all. V'loy shum hayraz hetar ba'ilam. No way out of it. V'chol miu misha yas bideni. Eineni moichalei b'shum oifen. Anyone who's Masped B, I will not be moichalei b'shum oifen. And he also asked in his Havah to send a message to all the cities he was a rabbin, Balazhin, Shiklov, Moscow, Kovrin, and the other place. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it again. Shaloyala al daitam las He says they shouldn't have a havmina to be masim. Shaloy emchal al And he says, I'm not going to be Michael. He writes in the beginning of the Havah that while he was alive, he bought for himself a kvura. The Aderes, who was Rav Shmuel Salanter's. Uh, uh, um, second in command, so to speak, before before Abchayim, and that is where he's buried. Um, he's buried. So there's the Maril Diskin, if I remember correctly, or Bishuleib. Next to Bishuleib is his son. Next to that is Abchayim Berlin, and next to that, next to him is um, the Adaris. Um, and he says in his Savo, Matseva, and the Matseva, you should only write Harav Hamifursum, so nothing more, and Khalilu to write about me going because it's Shtish Karim Eina Miskalim Ba'ilam Ha'emes Klaal Uklaal. Shtish Karim are not Miskabel in the Ilam Ha'emes Klaal Uklaal. And that's what uh, it says in his Matseva. I posted a picture last week. I'll put another one this week. Um, you'll see it just says Arava Mephorsim. It doesn't say Hagoin um, Hatzadik. I just, I know it's uh, coming to the end of one more minute. I just want to say over one vart from um, Reb Chaim Berlin. He used to say uh, Shira Shirim. Let's see if I can find it quickly here. Um, um, used to say in Shira Shirim that Kla Yisrael is Daimaliyayna. Kla Yisrael is Daimaliyayna. And he used to cry. It's a famous story. He used to cry. Oh, here it is. He used to cry. Rav Chaim Berlin would come to Shul on Erev Shabbos and say Shirashirim, like we said, with a lot of emotion. And he was once saying with, with Rabari Levine, and he got to the Pasuk, So he started to cry. So Rabari asked him, Why are you crying? He says, he says These Psukim, they talk about the love Kla Yisrael has with the Rabbi Nishalaylam. So Rav Chaim told him, He says, When I was Rav of Moscow, someone who didn't look Jewish came to me to speak to me privately. And he told me that he had, a son was born to him, and he wants me to be the moil. So he says, so he says to him, so what's the big secret? He says, really nobody knows that I'm a Jew. I actually sell crosses and Christian stuff, and I want to make the. I don't need anyone to know that I'm Jewish. No one's going to buy from me anymore. They think I'm a Christian. So, um, so I, I need an etza how to hide it. So he gave him a whole etza how to hide it. And um, send away all of the Gaisha. Even so, even the 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 the, um, clean, the the maids in his house were Gaisha and didn't know he was Jewish. Send them away. And he says, "Don't worry, you'll be the sandik, and I will be the 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 mail. You don't need a minion." And finished. And he came to him, and he came to him, and he wanted to give him money for doing the bris. And Reb Chaim said, "I don't take any money for it." And um, finally, he asked him. He says, "Lamaisa, I looked around your house." There's no zecher of you being a yid. You are doing everything to hide yourself as being a yid. So why is it that you want to go so out of your way to give a bris to your son with such mysterious nefesh? So the yid told him, Rabbi, he says, I know 
that I'm far from being a proper Jew. He says, but who knows, one day I might come back. You know what? I remember my father was a Yid, so I have something pulling me back to Yiddishkeit. He said, but my son, he's going to be born, he's going to know nothing about Yiddishkeit. Nothing at all. He says, what's going to be happen if he wants to come back to becoming a Yid? He says, if he's not going to have a bris, it's going to hold him back. How could he come back to being, being from if he doesn't have a bris? I want nothing to stand in his way if somehow at the end he's going to come back being a Yid. And that is what Reb Chaim said to, to Rabbi Levine. He says, when I read the Pasuk, I remember, why does it say, twice, you're so beautiful. Because Chazal tell us you're beautiful and you're beautiful why are you beautiful even after you sin? Because your eyes are like the doves, the yoinim. Why? Because the Gemara says in Baba Basra, Yoyna, as far as away as it goes from its nest, but it doesn't go too far that it can't see back, that it, can't, it doesn't go so far away. It always has a way back to his nest. And that's Kla Yisrael. Even La'acharachet, they're always making sure there's a way to come back. This Yid reminded me of this Pasuk. As far as away he was from Yiddishkeit, he wanted his son to make sure there's always a way to come back. That was Reb Chaim Berlin's Pshat in that Pasuk. And that's Matim for Kla Yisrael as we're on the cusp here of a new year of a Rosh Hashanah, of a Yomim Neiroim. Hinoch Yofek, Kla Yisrael is always coming back to the Rabbi Nisham. Even La'acharachet, what do we do? We run to Rosh Hashanah. We run to Yom Kippur. We run to the Rabbi Nishalaylam. That's how beautiful Kla Yisrael is. Einayich kiyoinim. Schusa yogin aleinu v'al Kla Yisrael. Aksiva v'chasim atayv everybody. Agutke ben jar. This will be the last year. Till after the Yom Tayvim. As Amarav. Ha'omus baruch Hashem. Betirdus of the Klal. Of a Yomim Nairoim and a Sukkis, a Yantiv season. I'm not able to continue this year with all the preparation that it takes. But Bez Hashem. We will see everybody after Yontif in the coming year. Agutke ben Shiar. Kaltov.